Welcome to the Zen Stoic Podcast, where we take philosophies of Zen and Stoicism that have been helping people for thousands of years, and we bring them into modern discussions to create mental wellness and vitality. Welcome back, everybody, to the Zen Stoic Podcast. I'm here with one of my best friends and a guy who I've been wanting to have on this podcast for a very long time now, Brady McKenzie. Thank you so much for joining me, bro. This is an honor to have you on this thing, man. <laughs> hey, man, you're welcome. It's been amazing to see you grow, and I can't believe we're spending uh, this small amount of time doing what you love, uh, and I'll be here to share some stories with you. Awesome, man. Awesome. So uh, for those of you who don't know Brady, he is one of my best friends. Him and I, basically, we started this whole journey into going into developing our businesses, this whole entrepreneurial kick. Back when we were in university together, we were actually roommates in our uh, in our residence. So that, that's where it all began. And Brady, if you could tell just the audience a little bit about what you do and uh, you know how you got into it. Absolutely. So uh, I'm probably a dropout. Uh, I went to York University. I spent about three years there and decided to drop out. Um, and from that point, I kind of decided that getting a degree wasn't the smartest bet in school. So I realized that I, I, was, I needed to make some money. So I decided to teach myself Photoshop. So that's how I got into all the branding and designing. And we did that, or I did that for a couple of years and then we parted ways. Um, so now I do marketing and branding and consulting. Um, and I'm also specializing in e-commerce, online uh, websites, uh, Amazon stuff, uh, and Facebook, Instagram. Um, and just learning how to master that side of the social media marketing so that I can actually uh, live my life as congruent as possible. Absolutely. And I know you've definitely been one of the people in my life who has influenced me and helped me to live my life more congruently more being myself, not trying to put on this facade, and ultimately the, the person that I had to become to create Zen Stoicism and the Zen Stoic Podcast. Uh, so I know that, that that is what you do in terms of what you described there, but there was definitely a journey there, uh, some hardship. And one of the things that we talk about a lot in the, on the Zen Stoic Podcast is turning every, everyday adversity and challenges that we're either born into or that are brought upon us into opportunities, into ways that we can actually turn them into growth. So. What have been some of your challenges in this entrepreneurial journey? Because I know you had six really tough years. <laughs> yeah. And so I'll give, you, I'll give you the breakdown of some of my story. So as you know, I have cerebral palsy, which um, to me was almost a curse for most of my life. So on top of physical pain, there was also some mental effects there, which is basically a nice way to say that I had brain damage. So I spent a lot of my time um, questioning myself uh, and looking inward. So um, for me to figure out part of my journey and to bring peace within myself, um, I had to find comfort away from other people um, because I was always feeling anxious. So, um, you know, I spent a lot of time learning how to protect myself from other anxieties and how to keep a certain type of energy in my life so that I could spend more time figuring out what I needed and what worked best for me because typical schooling uh, didn't work. I was also diagnosed as being dyslexic. So, you know, having a, f a physical disability and a mental disability, uh, I'm using vague air quotes, uh, <laughs> to me was very easy to kind of grow into that victim um, mentality. Mm -hmm. So that from a year early age made me, I think, somewhat sensitive to people's energies. Yes. So, um, 
for a long time I didn't feel content with myself. So when I spent more time journeying inward and realizing that I didn't have time um, for school or for other people and that I had to forage my own environment because I wasn't um, like a working piece in other people's environments. So curating a type of environment where I felt comfortable um, and peaceful and able to focus was like my end all be all. So for six years after I decided to drop out and Victor and I uh, parted ways, I worked, I educated myself, I went on YouTube, I uh, looked at videos, I did marketing. Um, you know, I've had over probably 15, 16 failed businesses that um, probably from the age of 16 that I put my love and heart and dedication into because um, I never felt content working uh, a nine to five. Yeah. I was always struggling to make the money. I was always struggling to make the time. And, you know, with some of those, um, you know, past ailments as a child, I couldn't cope with stress at all. Like, it, for me, coping was shutting down. Mm. So, in that sixth year period, I was able to withdraw and shut myself down to a point where I limited my stress and I figured out what I needed most for myself. Um, and in doing that, you know, we've created this environment that took years and years and years to where we are now. Uh, and I've also helped Victor create uh, some of his Breakthrough to Victory stuff. Uh, yeah, so for those of you who don't know, that was uh, my very first coaching company <laughs> that, that I began with. It was called Breakthrough to Victory and ultimately evolved into Zen Stoicism. So yeah, Brady was with me there right in the beginning, Absolutely. helping me out with the branding, making it look good. <laughs> like, Absolutely. You know, helping me build that vision ultimately. So you spend a lot of time as a kid trying to fit in. Um, and that's all you really want as a kid. You want fulfillment. You want to be connected with others. Um, but in reality, as you get older and you realize being yourself and doing what you need most for yourself um, is, is the most important thing that you can do um, to basically help complete yourself in terms of being congruent on how you feel in your mind and living it outside. Yes. Right? So spent a lot, I wouldn't say I would spend more time than other people, but I made it a priority. Yes, yeah, from, from an early age, right? Normally when a lot of our friends were out there, you know, partying it up, <laughs> we were, you know, really doing our best to get congruent and work hard towards what we have actually created now. Yeah, and yeah. you talk a lot about being congruent with yourself and making sure that you're content with yourself. What do you think it is that stops people from being able to be congruent with themselves? Social comparison. Um, comparing yourself constantly with others. Mm. Um, just that in and of itself, the nature around that and looking external, um, you know, putting that energy externally out there um, and looking for external feedback, um, it's like a never win battle in yes. my mind. So I would say that would be it. Yeah. Is do not, um, you know, like with technology and Facebook, Instagram, like we pride ourselves on, you know, external admiration and validation. Um, and the biggest thing about creating an environment and peace within yourself, I would say, is just stop comparing yourself to other people. If you're in the gym to train, like you're there for yourself. Um, if you're going to go buy something, you're making that purchase for yourself. You're not doing it um, because you feel like you're going to get an external validation from somebody else. Right. Because external validation is one of those things that falls into the realm of what we cannot control. And if we put all of our focus and our energy into the things we can't control, it's going to be very difficult for us to be content to be content or to be congruent. 
or we're probably going to engage in a lot of distractions um, that kind of try that that help us kind of seek some solace in the anxiety that comes Absolutely. when you focus on all the things that you can't control. Exactly. I mean, people. What was it you said before? It making decisions um, for pleasure versus versus tranquility. So yeah, this is actually something that I wrote in the new ebook, The Zen okay. Path of Inner Peace, of how most of the time people, one of the things that they run into that's a big difficulty for them is they seek pleasure and they seek stimulation in order to entertain themselves mm -hmm. or to try to distract them from not dealing with the, with the stuff that's internal instead of seeking what the mm -hmm. virtuous state is, which is tranquility. And there's a big difference between pleasure and tranquility. So how has that played out for you in how you built yourself up? So that's, I mean, that's a massive part of validating yourself within, right? Because um, the same idea is that dopamine rush or pleasure, like everyone gets uh, a nice kick when they get Instagram likes or Facebook likes. Mm -hmm. um, it really builds up their ego. So I'm not sure. I mean, I've spent a lot of time um, oh yeah, so, so basically, how have you taken this concept of pursuing tranquility over pleasure and applied it to your life? Building my environment um, yes. and limiting the access that people have to me at certain times and drawing boundaries with myself uh, and my girlfriend as well. Yes. Trait, make better decisions that foster, um, we used to talk about like the human needs, um, mm -hmm. growth um, is, is all not my highest of my, my need. I don't feel happy, I don't feel content if I'm not growing in some type of mm -hmm. um, category. Yes. So that, and that's interesting, you know, is making sure that you're clear and you establish those boundaries, right? Because those boundaries are ultimately what, uh, what protect you and allow you to foster growth without getting distracted. Absolutely. So you talked about making sure that you create boundaries with your girlfriend, but also with other people, friends and family. Yep. So how have, how has creating boundaries played into you being able to get to this place of being content with yourself? So, I mean, there's so many ways we could start to go about this. Oh, yeah. So, I, I think it's useful because I, I feel like it's absolutely. not a common thing. So, so Victor and I used to talk about this thing about ambience or yeah. ambiance. Yeah, we call it ambiance. We, we add a little accent to it. But, but really, we're saying ambience for those of you who are, are not quite getting the word. Right, so when we used to work really, really hard, I used to work basically in the dark when I would stay at Victor's place, and he used to bust in the room and, and turn the lights on, which I find overly stimulating, um, <laughs> and not very tranquil. No, not very right? tranquil at so all. In our mindsets, we're going after pleasure, but we're working really hard. So um, it's not really that I taught myself. I always felt more sensitive to certain things. So like being less stimulated externally makes you want to be more tranquil, makes you want to be more relaxed. So certain things I would do and portray, um, if I'm having a really hard working week, you know, I might be very particular about what I'm eating, what type of environment, is it too hot, is it too cold? Um, just little things that add up, but you, you tailor them towards what you think you need um, and what you think is best so mm -hmm. that you can be in your most efficient state. Yes. Yes, and, and creating that environment, which is incredibly important. The external environment has an influence over the internal and vice versa. Mm. Um, so I know whenever we talk about ambiance, <laughs> that's us basically talking about how we're going to create that external environment to serve us internally. And like you were saying, kind of eliminate some of the stimulation out of there 
So you can bring more of your emotional energy into the present moment of whatever exactly. it is you're doing, which exactly. is a very Zen concept, right? And it comes to, you know, having a clean area, having an organized area where you can really dial in and be present in the thing that you're Absolutely. doing. Absolutely. Less distraction externally means more time to spend in an introspective state that you can better yourself as long as you're looking at yourself um, in a good mentality and you're trying to get something out of it rather than, um, you know, trying to get a break from yourself by coping with uh, essentially static stimulation that is not a positive ambience. Right, right. And if somebody's trying to get a break from themselves, oftentimes it's not because they're being congruent. It's because of the complete opposite. If you're trying to get a break from yourself, obviously you're doing something that is incongruent. You don't feel like you and it's exhausting. Absolutely. I mean, pleasure makes you feel very good, but it's a limited window. So when Victor says tranquility, to me, in my mind, I instantly think lifetime. Yes. So you'll learn a balance between what's good for you, what's the best for you, and what is the most best for you. Yes. Um, and you know, I'm 28 now, and I think from the age of 16 till now, um, I've spent a lot of time trimming the fat, the excess uh, stimulation, the static in my life. So, you know, more, um, less physical clutter, more mental clarity. Mm. Um, and it's just something that I've naturally gone towards in my life. Um, and I progress every year. I feel like I get in a better direction. Um, I have a more um, isolated but streamlined like habit. I'm a very habitual person. Yes. Uh, and I love staying on schedule with things and, and making or, or making and doing things that make me feel like I'm growing or benefiting um, in some way. Yeah, you're, you're very purposeful about that path. And Absolutely. that's the thing, if we're not purposeful about our routine or where we're going, right, we're just gonna kind of be floating off in the wind, which is cool if that's you know what it is that you want in that moment of your life, but at the same time, you, you always wanna bring it back and be on your path, on your path that makes you present, that allows you to have that sense of tranquility no matter what it is that you're doing. Of course. Uh, now, I think there's an interesting thing that you said there. You said less uh, physical clutter and more mental clarity. So. One concept that I always enjoy is this concept of while everyone and the popular, like the popular thing is everyone trying to add more, add more, let me have more, let me have it bigger, better, faster, add more to my life. And it's always a, a matter of addition. Whereas what you're talking about is a matter of subtraction, yeah, almost I like, like the, the, the sculptor taking away pieces to reveal the sculpture within. So what, what made you initially make that switch to subtraction versus adding things into your life constantly living overwhelmed constantly and feeling that to not just a mental level but like an immunity level my mm. body you know being very physically and mentally stressed out uh, making me over silly oversensitive to everything people uh, things um, foods um, so exacerbating that for me was uh, you know very overwhelming yeah Absolutely. No, that, and that constant state of overwhelm is probably the quickest thing to remove you from a sense of tranquility. Yeah, it's you in. And when you're not feeling pleasure or tranquility, I think with most, most people, uh, I mean, you're doing anything not to feel anything. Right. At all. So uh, we live in a very crazy state with um, stimulation and access to certain substances and things like that. But um, again, the social comparison if you're not doing things from a place of abundance and you're doing things from a place of scarcity or overwhelmed or 
Um, you're making critical decisions, everyday decisions from a place of anxiety. Um, that to me, that's the first red flag in be not being congruent with yourself. And that's one of the mm -hmm. agreements that you, you be congruent with yourself. Um, so if you want to do your best and, and know and have faith and stay on the right path, you have to be congruent yes. with yourself and enough with the social comparison. Absolutely. Yeah. Comparison is the thief of joy. <laughs> right? Anytime you're comparing yourself to someone else or what you think you should be based on someone else's life, mm -hmm. you're always going to find yourself at a loss yeah. because you're not to be compared with another person. There's a, there's a reason for our own individuality because it's ultimately like nature expressing itself through any, all the different means in which it could. So to compare yourself with someone else, it, it kind of reminds me of, there's this concept in Taoist philosophy that says you cannot create, you cannot try to use external answers for personal truths. Mm. That anytime you do that, really you create like that. suffering, right? I really, I like that. I yeah. And I know uh, in both our lives, a lot of people have, have tried to give us the external answer for the personal truth. Of course. Especially when it came to us uh, <laughs> dropping out of university <laughs> when we did. <laughs> yeah, we got a lot of flack from that from both sides of our families. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I can say dropping out was one of the best decisions that I made because I was semi-committed to school and I always have been semi-committed. So when I dropped out, I was fully committed and I felt like for the first time in my life that was fully my decision mm. and that I was going to experience the backlash of my actions, which I did. So it was, um, that was the kickoff when we dropped there for me to realize that the idea of university and stimulated um, stress, um, you're theorizing about everything all the time mm. and then you leave this generation of millennials, um, you know, less mentally prepared because they haven't been in the real world until they're hitting, you know, their mid twenties, and that to me wasn't apparent at the time. Right. So it was a big wake up call. It definitely was. I would say that's the beginning of it. So. Yeah. yeah it's it's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> and you you really you know life kind of punches you in the face when you first get to that real world, and it it comes back to this whole point. I mean, there's there's a great Bruce Lee quote that I reference mm -hmm. almost all the time on this podcast, which is life is better lived than conceptualized. And a lot of what people are learning is just conceptualizations, Theory. theories, yeah. and no application, right? No actual living it. Mm -hmm. And it's important for us to actually apply, to actually live it, to take the action, to learn from our actions, not just be told by someone else, like, hey, you shouldn't do this thing, or hey, you should do this thing, because then you're allowing something outside of yourself to define you. Right, which a lot of people resent, actually. Right. They resent, they do it for the, for the security, for the safety, for the comfort, mm -hmm. and then they end up building resentment, which kind of kills all three of those things. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't allow you to actually feel those. That's true. Uh, now, now, one thing that I think is interesting about Stoic philosophy is that the Stoics would, would do exercises uh, of practicing misfortune. Now, sometimes people don't do that purposely, they really fall into a bad way <laughs> where there's no money, you know, the, the bills are tight and whatnot, and sometimes they would do this in order just to see or, or ask themselves, is this what I'm so afraid of, right? So, so one Stoic philosopher, Seneca, would put himself into the position of somebody who's destitute. And he was like, he was a statesman, right? He was a senator, so 
he, you know, he lived a good life, but he would put himself in that situation to kind of experience the difficulty of the thing that he seemed to have feared. And he would ask himself, is this the thing that I, I feared so much going into? Now, I know you've had an experience that was a pretty mind-blowing story to me of when you really did get into a tough situation. <laughs> when you were you know, first starting your business, when you were basically, you traveled all the way to New York to, to make this thing happen, you found yourself in a tough situation. It kind of changed your whole perspective. Absolutely. So through Victor, I met a lot of beautiful people um, through Tony Robbins. Um, so I ended up going to New York just on a whim to see um, one of Victor's friends, uh, Emmanuel. Uh, he was a really great guy. He was, I would say he was my first mentor. Mm. So I basically, you know, we're fresh, dropped out of university. I've got no money in my pocket. Um, I talked to somebody on Skype, Emmanuel, and I, I happened to say some things about his website and he asked me if I could do it better. And I said, I can absolutely do that for you. So I, anyway, I went out to New York City and spent some time there. Um, and realized within the first three days that I had arrived in New York City that um, my debit card had magically disappeared. Now, I'm not sure if I left it somewhere or I dropped it or if it was stolen, but it was gone. So I had walked a couple blocks over to the TD Bank in the USA and realized that they were not associated at all with any of the Canadian banks and they couldn't even get me a card. So I realized that I had no access to the little money that I had at the time. So, you know, me being, you know, pretty sheltered kid from the suburbs in Canada, I, I had to figure out um, essentially what I was going to do. I had, think I had about $36 left with me. So I, first time I remember like, okay, I'm life budgeting at this moment because, um, you know, I'm, I don't want to piss my parents off and call them home like I've messed up. I, you know, I need to stick this through um, and try to land maybe some type of job. Um, or a business agreement with this individual that I don't really know very well, um, but I'm just, I'm hoping that I can maybe use some of my skills that I've learned uh, on Photoshop to maybe make some money. So <laughs> I basically figured out uh, and met with Emmanuel and we started working and he said, you know, this is kind of a upfront thing. I'm not going to give you any money upfront. Let's see what you can do. So then I, I realized very quick that that $36 was my life essentially. So wow. um, I had to take uh, a bus, two buses and a subway to get to, uh, where was it, New York? It was Lower Brooklyn um, and it was, it was, I think it was near, an, an, I don't know, some sort of, oh, Pierpoint, uh, New York City. So I get there every morning um, to work. Um, so as I was, you know, taking the bus and the subway, my money was depleting very much. Um, so you can realize at this time I hadn't been eating for the last couple of days. So the first time, the first two days was pretty tough. When I hit the third day and all I was having was New York tap water, um, it messed me up a little bit. So I was feeling a little wonky. Um, and I'm now living in Newark, I believe. Um, yeah, New Jersey. Yeah, Newark, New Jersey. Pretty rough part of town. <laughs> um, so I had bumped into one of the roommates in the house. Uh, and he said, hey, I know you're not around from here. Just make sure when you walk out of the house, don't go left down the street. So I knew never to go left down the street. Um, and one of the things that I realized in being in that place um, and not being familiar with that area, that I was very vulnerable to a lot of things. Um, and that being, you know, people that I don't know. Um, and I, I stood out. So... I ended up having to live in this type of um, 
dynamic with I think it was some type of like a drug house yeah. where uh, there's three or four people living in the house there was no locks on my door um, and I ended up getting this place because um, I had to stay while I was working on the project for around 400 bucks for that month so I mean you can imagine what type of uh, property I was staying at it wasn't very nice um, and at one point I had to figure out some type of uh, sleeping situation I spent two nights sleeping on the ground uh, I had a sweater and brought my head up a little bit but I had found a mattress in the basement so I grabbed the mattress uh, and brought it up to my room uh, and I stuck uh, a dumbbell that was in the room underneath the mattress um, so I had some type of a pillow um, and, I, and I slept there for a couple nights uh, and I ended up uh, collecting a pizza for my buddy that melted and I ate the melted pizza on the bed one night well, it was um, the frozen pizza it was the frozen pizza <laughs> that was now the warm pizza uh, somewhat raw so hungry so vulnerable so overwhelmed but it was the best thing that could have happened to me for a while because I was the only person to get myself there. And something that I learned from Emmanuel that really stuck with me that, you know, he was my first round of obstacles in terms of business and getting to the other end of financial success. He taught me that I was always the solution to my problems. So, you know, being in that environment and being hungry and, and, and being, you know, feeling true physical and mental discomfort realize how lucky you are and then you, you kind of come back and you look at business and you look at this economy that we have now and it's it's so we're so lucky we're so blessed that we have the opportunity to compete in this type of market and live together um, in a quality place so when I realized that I don't ever want to come back to this place I don't ever want to be here again so I'm going to do everything in my power that I can do to be proactive about taking the actions to secure my financial freedom because this experience, as though it was important, uh, it should never exist again in my existence. Yes. So taking responsibility and feeling the actions of being irresponsible and not being prepared um, hit me. That was the first time. So when I felt that, it brought me to a place where I wasn't willing to put up with distractions. I wasn't willing to um, sacrifice any of my well-being um, if it wasn't on a business. Mm. It wasn't on something that was going to benefit me in long term and, and bring me some type of um, financial um, comfort. I wasn't. I wasn't going to waste my time on it. So I stopped going. I stopped partying. Stopped drinking. Stopped everything just to educate myself and figure out where I needed to be and what I had to do to get there so that I could live a life that would allow me to live you know, peaceful, more tranquil. Yes. No, no, that, it's, it's a crazy story, especially in, in the conditions that, that you were in. And it, it really shows you, it gives you a lot of perspective about where you could be if you don't get congruent and get disciplined Absolutely. on your growth. And one thing that I talk a lot about in Zen Stoicism is how greatness and excellence and creativity are nothing more than the channeling of our pain. And that could be the pain of our past, it could be the pain of our present moment, but whatever it is, when we channel that pain, when we channel that emotional energy, we're able to create that greatness. We're able to get into that state of creativity. And it wasn't just that experience, but even you know, with your cerebral palsy. You know, channeling yeah. that, the pain of everything that culminated in your life into this one moment where 
or not not one moment but this one path that you're like that's it like i'm going to commit myself i'm not going to distract myself i'm going to put up my boundaries so i can protect the vision that i have the path exactly and that in this world you can create your heaven or your hell we have all the elements and when i say elements i mean you know you give meaning to everything yeah, you know, phone technology, how much you like Facebook, how much you love, you know, working hard, how much you love your, your wife. You give value to all of that stuff. So you basically get to choose and create the world that you ultimately want. And if you feel overwhelmed and bombarded every day, um, so you spend most of your time, you know, trying to cope to get a break from yourself, you need to change your story. You need to change the foundation of where you think your mind is going and the reasons why you want to be there or who you want to be there for or however you see it. But your own personal reasons are the core reasons are not an external force. Yes. No, no one else. It has to be for you yes. completely. And, and that's the only way to truly be able to help others too is you, you start with yourself. It's got to be for you. It's the whole idea, the air, airplane example, right? Putting your oxygen mask on you first yeah. before you try to put it on the world. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, a lot of people who listen to this, you know, some people maybe listen to this thinking to themselves, they have a vision, they want to change the world, but they don't change themselves. And it's about taking the time to really focus on you and make the changes you need to make correct your mistakes before you start trying to change the world. Yeah. Absolutely. We always have the one guy that puts the mask on wrong and then helps other people. Right. <laughs> There's that too. <laughs> they put the mask on wrong and they try to help others and then everybody passes Just don't up. be that guy. Yeah, don't be that guy. <laughs> Just keep, you know, keep checking in with yourself. I mean, naturally, all people are good people. And if you spend enough time looking inward, looking for the, the tranquility, not necessarily what feels the best, you're going in the right direction. The more you go in the right direction, the more you listen, the more you become yourself, the more congruent you are. You live that in that image you have in your mind outward, you complete yourself, and then you're here for other people. Yes. Just like Victor. Which which totally just reminded me of something that you uh, you shared with me earlier this week uh, when we were chatting. We're we're driving in your car and we came up to a traffic light and you recognized a homeless person who you knew by his first name, George, George. <laughs> and I'm like, well, how did, how do you know his name? And the level of compassion that came out of the next thing that you said blew my mind because it showed me that you truly do believe that everyone is a good person. If you're willing to just like sit down, listen, talk to them, share a story. So, I mean, how, how did you meet George? <laughs> so George was uh, an individual I met here in London. Uh, super great guy. You could say that somehow George had fallen on hard times, um, you know, and he was he was begging for money. And you know, I'm not necessarily a supporter of money because I know I I was begging for money that the money would go in the wrong place. So um, something I actually learned from Victor was um, if somebody usually asks you for money, you ask them something different. Ask them how their day is going, or um, you know, or even just as simple as take them out for a quick meal or offer them food instead of money. So when I had met George, um, I was in a place where I felt like I could always give back and I was um, you know, making quite a bit of money. So I figured, you know, instead of just donating to a cause blindly, like, let me see if I could sit down and maybe you know, almost give back to George um, in a different sense. So you know, I'm uh, only telling a story as a request of Victor. <laughs> um, but when I met George, 
he stuck out to me because he walked differently and he looked like he he had um, you know some type of um, injury so when I looked at him I was like you know what I'm having a great day I'm gonna pick George up and we're gonna go down and get some food at one of my favorite places to eat here in London and we ended up having dinner I, I had dinner with George and I just asked him ridiculous questions that were you know something like people would never ask him and people in the room were almost you know discomfort but I said you know like, you know, how are you? How's everything? Like, how'd you get here? You know, what are your favorite drugs? Like, I was asking him pretty deep questions, and he was so amazed and so open with me. Um, but George got to where he was, and he was uh, addicted to alcohol and other opioids. He slipped. He took one wrong step in his apartment building about 15 years ago, and he fell, and he broke his neck. He went head first, he missed the, the third step from the bottom, and he broke his neck. Um, and seeing that and his desire and his, his hustle to still work, I would see this guy all the time, rain, shine, he was out there. So to see this guy out hustling, I mean, that resonated with me because I'm a big hustler. And I you know, I've worked really hard. So to see that in somebody else, I'm like, okay, maybe this guy knows something that I don't. <laughs> so just to be relating to someone on a, on a level because I know what it feels like to be on the outside of um, a social group. Right? Yes. And it blows my mind how people treat other people like they don't exist or that they're not real. Um, and something I'm being an entrepreneur is that the second you think somebody doesn't have something to sh share with you, it's over for you. Your journey is over because you're not absolutely open to growing and you've closed all the doors. Not just one, all of them. I mean, everybody has something to teach you and in return you have something to share with somebody else. It's what humanity does. Um, so taking the time to actually give back, no amount of money gives you the type of fulfillment like what you do, being, you know, connecting with people, and changing them in a way that no amount of money could ever change them. It's a right. deeper level of fulfillment, and you do that on a full-time basis because it's uh, it's not pleasure necessarily pleasure. It's it's it brings you fulfillment to a tranquility level. Yes. Right. So I couldn't imagine myself doing anything else. That's, a, that's <laughs> something I learned with Victor. And your uh, unconditional idea to listen to anybody so taking that on and just getting to the level of giving back like you give a few dollars to someone you're actively maybe assisting them but in like a deeper intimate level you're not you're not feeling that level of tranquility you mm -hmm. gave them that dollar to feel the pleasure mm -hmm. of thinking that you're giving back you're not being an active part of maybe participating and trying to rehabilitate society yeah it, it's it's so true like it, it's it's very different what you gave George in that situation right you you didn't give him a dollar or five dollars or even ten dollars you gave him your time and your attention yeah. which most people want to forget that someone like that even exists and not even treat him like a human right. and instead you brought back the humanity to that and human beings were made for each other, right? We're social Absolutely. animals. The only way that we actually survived through the generations was to cooperate and treat each other like humans, right? Help each other, protect each other. 
do what was in our best interest. And I think one of the things that causes the most distraction is dehumanizing one another, throwing labels on people, Absolutely. demonizing each other. Absolutely. Um, when people are live their life on in an insecure level, the the need to be validated is extremely high. Yeah. So when they have that much, they're looking external and they're not peaceful inside. They don't have time for people. Like, and that's what we need for each other now more than ever because like we're so overly stimulated with the social comparison, constantly on the phones, not li not having those moments, not building those you know needed connections within a community that we're used to be there. We as millennials, for us to live healthy lives, we have to become more strict, draw more boundaries and protect ourselves more often. It's a full-time fucking job. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So the the last question I had for you before we wrapped up, and I always I always come up with kind of like a random question here. <laughs> but through all, all of the, the hardships and the journey that you've you've had um if you had one lesson to extract from that that you would teach your kids from this journey what would that be you're always the solution to your problems you're always the solution if you if you think you're not or you're dead yourself you're bullshitting yourself right from the bat you're always the solution if you need something answered you look inward Yes. And you will find the answers. It's when you spend your time looking outward always, you're not going to get what you need back. It doesn't matter mm. how much you have or how much you've done. You'll never feel that true fulfillment of, you know, love and compassion and, you know, desire for life and others that we all need that we don't have. And that's the part of energy and support that we're missing in our lives now so that, you know, we can live healthy, happy, long, content can tranquil lives. Right? Yes. Ch chasing pleasure is not uh, a great thing. And I appreciate you sharing that section with me this week because I feel like it's it's tied into uh, a part of my life that yeah. um, will play out for a while. Absolutely, man. Brady, it's been a, an absolute pleasure having you here on the Zen Stoic Podcast. If you guys enjoyed this episode, definitely leave a comment, leave a five-star review, share this with oh, a yeah, friend. Slap that like button. <laughs> slap that like button. Yeah. And share this with somebody who, who you feel needs to hear this message, right? Who you Absolutely. feel needs to hear the message, especially this last one here of you are always the solution to your problems. You are the cause. You are the cause of the solution. You are the cause of the problem. If you take that sense of ownership, you'll be able to create that sense of tranquility. Amen. Love. Wait, wait. Before you go to the next podcast, listen. If you want the daily updates, Zen Stoic Mastery page on Facebook. Go like that. And if you want to link up on the Instagram, it's Zen Stoic underscore V.